You're listening to the Mosaic Podcast, brought to you by Jewish Federation of Palm Beach County. Each episode of this podcast will offer you excerpts from the Mosaic TV news magazine, which airs Sunday from January to April in the Palm Beaches. Mosaic explores the most pressing issues facing the Jewish community here at home and around the world. And now, here's your host, Susan Shulman Pertnoy. Welcome to our 45th season of Mosaic. I'm your host, Susan Shulman Pertnoy. Mosaic is Jewish Federation of Palm Beach County's weekly news magazine, exploring the most critical issues facing Jews here and around the world. Today, we have a fascinating episode for you. We're joined by members of the hit Netflix series, Fauda, actress Inbar Lavi and the show's co-creator, Avi Isakaroff. The pair will share their personal connections to the show, how the war and hostage crisis in Israel has affected them personally, and what lies ahead as fantasy has become the unfortunate reality for thousands in Israel. Today we're joined by two special guests, Israeli award-winning actress Inbar Lavi and former member of the Israeli Defense Forces and co-creator of Fauda, Avi Isakarov. Welcome so much. I'm so excited to have you at Mosaic. Thank you. Thank I'm you very so much. so happy to be here. Avi, you're the co-creator of Fauda, which tells stories surrounding the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And Fauda takes on such a deeper meaning in light of the recent conflict. What inspired you to create Fauda? I think that, you know, first of all, it's uh, the military service that Leo was uh, the co-creator, my partner, and the, the lead of the show. And I had, when we were very young and stupid, um, I mean, we served in a unit called Uvdevan, an undercover unit. Which that, meant what? Meaning that we disguised to Arabs, we spoke in Arabic in order to assimilate into the local population, and by that getting to the terrorist or the wanted terrorist in an easier way. I mean, just imagine to yourself that as the IDF, as the Israeli army, if he gets the intelligence about the location of a wanted terrorist, so he has one option, of course, to go and bomb it and then create a collateral damage that would be terrible, sending the IDF regular troops, but then probably the terrorist would run away because he can see them, or sending those guys undercover, these guys to locals, and that's allowed the idea to get to them in an easier way. So this is one inspiration. The other one was uh, my experiences as a journalist. Uh, I was covering the West that. Bank, yeah, West Bank, Gaza Strip, the Palestinian society, Palestinian leaders, Hamas, Islamic Jihad for quite many years, and till today actually. And I visited Gaza pretty often till 2007. I've met with all Hamas's leaders that you can imagine. Um, I have a great picture with Ismail Haniya, the head of Hamas, in his chamber in Gaza. And you get to hear the other side, you get to see the other side, and what do they have in mind. But just like everyone else in Israel and in the world, I was also shocked on October 7th. Can I ask you, I, I just have this one question. You're, you're there in Gaza as a journalist, yeah. when years before you're there in Gaza hunting these people down. And now you're you're eye to eye with them. Why did you feel the the desire to like get them? Does that did that ever come to your mind? Uh, sometimes in rare situations, yes. 
in some with some people that I knew what they did uh, like a meeting that I had with the, the men who planned and executed uh, the suicide attack of uh, Park Hotel in Lela Sede of 2002 I met him in jail uh, while well, he was of course in jail Abbas Asai that's his name you know when you meet him and you, when you hear what he has to say and he's a Hamas very prominent and known leader I felt the urge of you know to stand up and to kill the guy no other word than that with Hamas politicians in Gaza it was different uh, because they behave like politicians they dressed up in a proper way it's not like the militants the terrorists I also had some meetings with of course terrorists people that were wanted but you get into the job you get into what you do as you know right. it's a kind of a routine so you don't think too much about, about okay I need to kill this guy no I need to interview this guy in order to bring to the Israeli audience or the international community what these guys have in mind so so interesting uh, really um, in bar you're crazy, man. You are. No, no. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, you joined Fauda in its fourth season as an Israeli actress. What does it mean to be part of Fauda? You know, it, it's it's uh, interesting that you say as an Israeli actress because I grew up in Israel. I was born in Israel. I grew up in Israel, but I have been acting in America my my whole grown life. Uh, is, uh, Fauda is my first Israeli production that I've been a part of. Wow. So <clears throat> it was a huge deal for me. Um, I've been waiting for a very long time for a project that would feel like home because it's, it, it, you know, we've waited for so long for an Israeli project that all of a sudden it became like Okay, whenever I'm, I am going to do an Israeli project, it better be incredible. And Fauda, it couldn't have been more appropriate. And it, um, it is my family's favorite show. <laughs> as mine. <laughs> <laughs> and as so many other people around the world. And it, it, it carries such an important message and it was a privilege. It was a privilege, and I feel very honored to be a part of this phenomenon and this mission that literally changes how people see and think about the Middle East. I know that the war has come with great personal loss for both of you. Uh, Avi, can you share with, I know you lost a loved one. Yeah, um, we've lost uh, Shachar, Shachar Friedman, he's a soldier, he was a soldier in a paratroops uh, battalion, 101. He was the boyfriend or the partner of my stepdaughter, Noga, and it was two and a half weeks ago that we got the word that he was killed in Gaza uh, during a battle with Hamas people uh, somewhere in central city of, uh, of Gaza. Uh, and it's a big trauma, and it's a big loss, because they were both uh, planning to do kind of a trip after the army. Shachar actually was supposed to be off-duty on October 5th, and we celebrated on October 6th, Friday night, the birthday of my daughter, and he's being off-duty from the army. And the day after, he was called back to the army, and then two and a half weeks ago. He died. 
And also, didn't you have a crew member that, that died? We had a Matan that was a part of the production team, and that he was a kind of a, what we call camp manager, and that was in charge uh, for the transportation and the vehicles and the motorbikes and all this. And he was also, he got killed in northern part of Gaza, and like after two weeks since the beginning of the invasion, of the ground invasion. Oh, I, 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 I'm so, so sorry. It's just the, the, the tragic loss of lives is just so horrible. Um, Inbar, how, how, tell us about your family and, and how they've been affected. Everyone's been affected. I have a second cousin who was abducted into Aza with his girlfriend. Um, they were missing for several days into the war. And then I think on day four, they discovered both of their bodies. Um, my husband has, he was, he served in um, 669, which is an elite unit in the IDF, and he still has many of his friends in Aza right now. Um, one of them had died in a battle in Aza, and, you know, all of my cousins are serving, they're in there right now, and, you know, it's it's a constant worry, and, you know, our our family members are just running into shelter every time there's yeah. a bomb which can happen sometimes three four times a day so it's 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 horrific it yeah, really is there's constant. no other word for it i have to take a quick commercial break we'll be right back after this brief message when we return avi details a real life daring rescue mission he participated in in the early days of the war and we'll find out what it all means for the future of FAUDA. Stay with us. Mosaic is brought to you through the dedication of generous corporate sponsors who fuel the work of Jewish Federation of Palm Beach County. We thank American Commercial Realty, Appleby Udenfriend Wealth Management, BDO, Bremen Motorcars, Bruce Gendelman Insurance Services, Commodore Singer Basement and Braun Attorneys, First Republic Bank, FPL, Rogers Design Group, and Shapiro Pertnoy Companies. Welcome back. We're talking with Fauda's actress Inbar Lavi and also the co-creator Avi Isakarov. And we're discussing uh, personal experiences due to the war. Uh, Avi, I know early on you were involved in a rescue mission. Can you talk about that? Um, so it took place two days uh, after October 7th, meaning October 9th. I really wanted to do something. I was trying to push myself to reserves, but the IDF didn't want to take me because I guess I'm too old <laughs> now. And it's not that easy to handle that. <laughs> But uh, I volunteered to an organization that is called Brothers in Arms. On the second day of the war, we understood that there's a problem in the south, in Gaza's periphery, meaning that many people that were there under rocket attack, under terrorist attacks, couldn't leave their houses and go to safe zones. They were under fire, they were in the danger zone, and they didn't have vehicles, and they were afraid to get out of their houses because they were terrorists in the streets. So we were called to the kibbutz of Bet Kama, and over there, I found myself surrounded with hundreds of uh, Israelis, women and men, all volunteered in order to get to the people that need us oh, wow. under fire. 
putting our life in risk, although we didn't have, we weren't have to or obligated to do. Did anything you have like weapons? That. Some of us had weapons. I didn't have any weapon, and I remember this experience because it was so amazing and so hard and so important. So we went Monday afternoon. At that point, Leo also Leo was also joined me, and we went to Sderot. While there were rockets falling, and you hear the sirens, and of course you need to land the floor because you don't have anywhere to, to hide, and you hear the shooting because you know that there are armed, armed terrorists in the streets of Stewart, and you're waiting for the family to get out of her house, to get into the car, and then you just go. And after we left, this woman asked us, who were we? And we said, brothers in arms. And at some point, she looked and she suddenly... So Leo was, and she was totally shocked. <laughs> and then they started to talk, the daughter and the mom. This is, this is Doron from father, this is Doron from father. And suddenly no war, no Hamas, no rockets, it's just all about Doron from father coming to rescue the family. It was crazy wow. emotional oh moment. Goodness. And it was, you know, just a kind of a small light in such a terrible darkness at war during those days uh, at the beginning of the war. For both of you, the show deals with a lot of difficult truths and conflict. And um, that being said, I hear that you're going to have a fifth season. Yes? Confirm that, please. <laughs> a little English? Yeah. God willing. Okay. How will your experiences since the war affect what what this what the storyline will be we don't know yet for sure because it's very complicated i mean we were writing fifth season when the october 7th took place and we decided to get rid of everything that we did and restart something totally new something that cannot disconnect itself from october 7th but cannot be on october 7th because what happened on october 7th is something that is inconceivable for the, the human brain for us to, to understand what happened there, the atrocities, the cruelness, the ugliness that people saw at that very dark days coming from your enemy. You know, we went through some wars. I went through some wars. I mean, I was shot by Hamas terrorists. I know Hamas for quite many years, but I've never seen anything like that. That was kind of the devil itself taking over. The monster, the most... It's monsters. It those was. monsters, those Nazi yeah. ISIS monsters just taking over the kibbutz and the towns and the villages and massacring, massacring whole communities, rape, raping people as if it was, I don't know, a war against women, a war against humankind. And Beheading babies. Beheading people. Burning babies, Burning babies. in I ovens. Mean, what was that? What is that? And still, you know, we cannot really conceive. We cannot really understand completely what happened there. So we understood that from the father point of view, you know, you cannot really show this in the fifth season of father. You need to make something different. So we're still discussing and negotiating it. But, you know, in former seasons we took some inspiration from real stories that took place that happened in Israel and in the West Bank and in Gaza. The third season, for example, um, many of its episodes was about 
Hamas leadership in Gaza hiding underneath Shifa Hospital in Gaza. I remember that. That was 2017 or 2018, meaning five years ago. But that's based on fact. That based on facts, and now we saw the tunnels underneath Shifa Hospital. That was a true fact that we based the plot back then. So this is... This is Faud, and this is the reality of living in Israel. And I must say that, you know, I'm sorry to say that, but what happened on October 7th can be the basis of so many different films and TV shows because it was horrifying and unbelievable. I mean, even if I would try to write those stories, I couldn't have imagined this is what's going to happen. Amazing. Do you have anything to add, Inbar? I just think, you know, when we we hear all the tr- tragedy that's been going on that is happening still, and then the silver lining of the people come together and really um, unite to, to help, to help yeah. and get us through it is, is remarkable. And, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm so proud to be a part of this community, of this tribe. And uh, I think we're remarkable people and we're strong and this is how we got through so much in the past, and we will prevail. And um, and I'm 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 just so proud. I'm just so proud of our Jewish community. I want to talk to you about something that is on the minds of a lot of us here, and that's anti-Semitism. Inbar, have you experienced any anti-Semitism recently? Yeah, of course. Um, since the war began, I have been um, posting about it on social media, trying to share as much information as I can about what's been going on, um, and also had shared the news of my second cousin passing and um, being murdered, and I had gotten a lot of um, um anti-Semitic comments. Um, I've gotten a lot of death threats, um, not just me. Uh, the agency that I work with has gotten them as well. Um, how, how much did that affect you? Very much so. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I was constantly crying. I was constantly uh, at a state of anxiety. Um, I was... <sighs> I just, you know, there was there was just so much, so much emotion. <clears throat> We're already dealing with this trauma collectively as a people and then with loss and with pain and anger and frustration and then on top of that to feel like you are a target of hate and so much animosity um, was, um, was, was too much for me to handle. Uh, and I actually checked into a healing center, um, you know, to try to mend and um, kind of disconnect from everything that was going on, and it was very helpful. Avi, in Israel, um, how is the coverage of the global anti-Semitism that's rampant been in Israel? Well, it's pretty much in the news. We hear about it all the time, constantly. And we understand that you know we're dealing with a way bigger problem than just Israel and Hamas. We are dealing with something that has taken over all over the world. You know the anti-Semitism, the anti-Israel um, 
feeling and the sentiment that is so much anti the Western world, mm -hmm. you know, glorifying the terrorists, glorifying the, the atrocities, Ex well, giving all kinds of excuses for raping women or ignoring the raping of women, ignoring the beheading of people, ignoring massacring of whole communities. This is what's happening around us. And I see all those people, whether it's here in the U.S. or in Europe, you know, showing signs of free Palestine or from the river to the sea. And they don't know. They don't know. They don't they understand don't. Sorry to say that on TV, but they don't know enough. They don't know that Gaza is not Palestine. They don't know that Hamas is a dictatorship that took over Gaza. Which could have been a magnificent resort community. Yeah, that the Israelis are not there in Gaza since 2005. What on earth are you talking about? Are you aware of the fact that in June 2007, Hamas killed 160 Fatah members and took over in a very brutal coup over Gaza? Are you aware of that? No. And they glorify Hamas. As, you know, they are the dem democratic <coughs> elements of the Palestinians. Come on. And the, the sad thing is that many Palestinians that are living in the West that know the truth are still very supportive of Hamas and trying to give all kinds of excuses. You think because of the fear? Because of the fear? It's not only about the fear. It's about hating Israel. It's about hating Jews. Let's put it that way. Let's put it in a very simple way. They hate Jews. They don't want to see Jews. And they want to see Jews being slaughtered. And they cannot see that suddenly, you know, this massacre is in leading into a terrible war that many Palestinians are dying because of what Hamas did on October 7th. And instead of blaming Hamas, they blame Israel. Wow, wow. Our federation has um, taken a number of solidarity missions to Israel, but not everybody can travel. What advice would you give the, the, our community who want to stand with Israel and, and be informed of really what's going on. Can you tell them what, what they can do, what they should do? I think that, you know, first of all, be educated as much as you can. You know, reading the news, understanding what's going on on the ground, understanding the whole picture, not from one specific point of view. Then talk. Mm -hmm. Say what you have to say. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid of saying what you believe in in order that the whole world will know the truth. And the truth is very simple in this case of October 7th. Very simple. So I think that by doing those two things and of course supporting Israel by any other means from the far, that can do a real change. As you both know, many generous donors in the Palm Beaches have made a commitment for today, tomorrow, and forever to take care of Israel and other Jewish communities in need. What do you think that the impact of this philanthropy will do for Israel? In this current situation, I think that there's no doubt that we are in a need for support. Many people in Israel, around 253,000 people, 300,000 people lost their houses. They cannot go back to their houses. They will need to wait and to see that Gaza's periphery is safe and only then can go back. They need everything. They Trauma need... counseling. Yeah, of course. 
they need houses, they need education systems, they need food, they need work, and I think that philanthropy work can do a huge difference for the people that lost everything that they had. Thank you so much for joining us. This was really an extraordinary interview. And our thoughts and prayers are with your families for a safe, safe experience. Thank you. Thank Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mosaic Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe to Mosaic on your favorite streaming platform and to leave us a review. Want more? Visit jewishpb.org slash mosaic where you can access full episodes of the show. To stay connected with the Jewish community of the Palm Beaches, visit jewishpb.org or follow Jewish Federation at facebook.com slash jewishpalmbeach.